0: Six questions we must answer before we die. And over the past five weeks, we have unraveled the mysteries of the universe right here at Church of the Redeemer. We've looked at such questions as, why do I exist? What's wrong with the world? And why can't we get along? Well, this six week, it's no easier because we're going to answer the question, what am I supposed to do with my life? So I have about 30 minutes to explain to you the very path of your existence. Question has been almost more complicated to think about and answer than all of the others, and I think the reason is because life is complicated. You know, as a kid, we kind of think to ourselves, "Well, what am I going to need when I grow up?" But we grow up and we discover life is a lot more complicated than just what we do. Isn't it? It's full of choices. Who do we marry? Where do we go live? as the ability to make good choices. You know, I'm here because of the choice. The choices that we have have ramifications of life. I made a choice, uh, 1999 it was. I can remember it like it was yesterday. I had left Young Life staff, Young Life ministry to high school students, and our family was down in the Outer Banks and we were on vacation, and I was interviewing for a job with Leg Mason. And uh, you know I'd been through a couple rounds of interviews and everything was going well, and we were in the Outer Banks and I had driven up to one final interview. So I sat down with them, we talked about money, we talked package, we talked I mean, everything. Everything was looking pretty good, aside from one or two tweaks which we needed to get over the hill and then I was going kind to of sign the papers and we were done. So I'm driving back to the Outer Banks and spend time with my family, and i crossed over the Monitor Merrimack and I get a phone call my buddy Mark. Hey Carlos, I know that you're looking for work and I know you've got something going on, but listen, I've got a friend of mine who's starting a company and what he's looking for sounds exactly like what he'd be interested in doing. Can you meet with him? He'll meet with you me tomorrow. And I scratch my head and go, wait a second. You know, I, I've got everything lined up with Life Mason here. I can keep going. I can take a right there on the Outer Banks Expressway. I can go to the beach and things done, right? Or. do I do? What choice should I make? How do I know if I'm making the right choice or the wrong choice? Well, I went ahead and I decided to stay. Went around the loop, stayed with my friend Mark Bondy, interviewed, job seemed perfect, I took the job, we moved our family here, 12 years later, 11 years later, here we are in the Did I make the right choice? Some of you are like, no, you should have been a stockbroker Carlos, come on, please. you life is full of choices like that, isn't it? I mean, play the tape back in your mind. Life used to be a lot simpler, they say. Back in the day, you know, when your father did a certain trade, and you grew up and you'd do his trade, and your son would do his trade, and your career was mapped out for you, just like your grandfather. In the day. Your relationships used to be easier. You know, if you were a woman, your choices were very, very limited. You would grow up, you're the man. And that was it, that was the way it worked. Technology used to be easier. Remember when you wanted to watch TV? You go to the TV and it's got the big dial there? Three choices, ABC, NBC, CBS. You know, we have, we live in a society where we have more freedom and more choices than ever before on the face of the earth. And we also have more anxiety. Isn't that interesting? As many choices, were any how to live our lives And number three, finally, we trust in that. And as we trust to All right, let's break these down. Number one, we trust His part. You know, this passage, Proverbs, here, comes out of a section called the Wisdom Literature of the Bible. And the Wisdom Literature is kind of like the hard candy of the Bible. you got to put it in your mouth and you got to just kind of taste it and A man belongs the plan to plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the reply of the tongue. The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. The Lord works out everything from his own ends, even the wicked for the day of the The truth of the matter is that they're simultaneously true at the same time. We are 100% responsible for the choices that we have. Our choices are ours. God gives us the ability and the freedom to make choices. And yet, at the same time, God is responsible and determining every single thing that occurs in our life. Think about that passage. The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every. like the flip of a coin. You know, if they were having the Super Bowl back in the ancient time, they would cast lots for who would kick off and who would receive It's random. And yet the scripture saying it's not random at all. In fact, every decision is from the Lord. Every coin flip, every chance encounter, every flat tire. Say that the Lord works out all things for his purposes, even the wicked for the day of disaster. Even evil things are in control of God. Is God the author of evil? No. Scriptures clearly say he's not, but God uses all things, even bad things, to orchestrate his purpose. And yet man is entirely responsible as well. To a man, our finite minds can't really get We can't really grasp how God can totally be in control, and yet man is responsible. And so what we'll always do is tend to go to one side or the other. Okay? The, tr- the truth of the matter is we think, you know, God is 100% responsible, and we're not. And so it doesn't matter how we live. It doesn't matter if we eat. It doesn't matter what choice we make. It doesn't matter if we step out in the street. God's got it taken care of. God is side, we go the other way uh, on the other side, which is we're 100% responsible, it's 100% us nothing God we're in charge of everything, man is the own captain of his soul, he's the master see here's the reality even though we don't understand What difference does it make? Life is, you know, I'm a fatalist. It doesn't matter. But on the other hand, if I don't have any responsibility and God is complete, oh, excuse me, if God has no responsibility and I'm 100% in control of my life, every decision I make, everything I do, it's on me. You know the reality? We wouldn't get out of bed, would we? We'd fear, oh, my gosh, what if I do something wrong this whole Those things for life sense. But we see here clearly that it is God's purposes that ultimately the will. To a man belong to Him Lord, the Lord ultimately, a man plans his glory, ultimately the Lord which the steps. See, in America, we have a misunderstanding of the concept of free will. Free will in America means this. I have the ability to make whatever choices I want, and I'm totally un- untouched by any choices have no consequences with God. But nowhere in the scriptures do we see that. In the scriptures we see man having the ability to make choices and being accountable to those choices to God, to God. So there's one question we have to answer in this whole equation. If God's purposes ultimately prevail, if whatever God happens at the end of the day is going to happen, what is God's it's against me, I'm going to live my life with fear and anxiety for the rest of my life because I know at the core of my soul that God, the God of the universe, is against me. I was recently at a uh, at a friend's beach house, a lake house, and we were gathered around for breakfast, and it was kind of an old house and kind of some old ripping chairs around the table. And one guy sat in one of the chairs, and as he sat down, the chair just collapsed under him. You know like when the spine, you know, those little spindles older than him, and he just wiped out on the floor, and we all had a good chuckle at it, uh, and, uh, but nevertheless, he got up, he kind of put the his, his spines together, to put the chair back together as best as he could, and then he sat down again, but he sat down in a totally different way the second time than the first time, why? That's the way we live our lives, isn't it? Very gently, very tenderly walking along because we've been burned before. Things have hurt us that we've attributed to God and we think God is not for me. As a result, I cannot live in confidence. You see, we can only live bold Son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the sun has eternal life. But whoever rejects the sun will not see life. Life for God's wrath remains. What does that mean? It means that everything in the world has been placed in the hands of the Son. God relates this entire universe and all of humanity and all of creation around one person. God relates to us. John 14, 21, whoever has my commands, this is Jesus speaking, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I, too, will love them and sure, show sure. There are very few things in life that we can be certain. I don't know how long I'll live. I don't know if I'll outlive the yelling. She'll outlive me. I don't know if my kids will grow up to be prosperous and successful in their life. I don't know. There's one thing in life that we can be certain of. And that is if we love Jesus Christ, if he is Lord of our life, if we acknowledge him for who he is, we have the favor and blessing of God taken to the bank. So much so that God looks at us like God looks at Jesus. Listen to John 1:12. Yet to all who received him, to those who believe. that time principle that we what is so. And so the question we have is, what is the punishment that awaits me for the fact that I have not loved God with all my heart? I have not loved my neighbor as myself. I have not lived in a way that honors God. And truth of the matter is, the nightmare did come true, but it didn't come true for us. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. See, there was a storm that raged 2,000 years ago when the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus Christ, on the cross at Calvary, not for his sins, but for ours. Work of Christ. And because of our love for Christ, we can have confidence that we have peace with God. So, we can live with those. I remember as a, a parent, all of us can probably remember this with raised kids. I have four of them. I can remember Daniel in particular going to the swimming pool, and Daniel's learning to swim, and he's kind of eyeing the diving board. Remember this—the low dive. You know, Dad, I want to go on the low dive. I want to go on the diving. Go ahead, son. Let's do it. He's a little, you know, he's so excited to get on that diving board. He gets up. He's about yay high. You know, and I jump out in the water, and there he is at Allentown Pool, and he walks out on the diving board. You can see the further he walks, the less the smile gets, right? And he's out there, and he's standing on the diving board, and he feels like he's about 10 stories off the ground. And when you're a little kid how things feel so big, and he's looking, and all of a sudden this doesn't look so funny. Looking. I'm encouraging. Come on, buddy. You can do it. He can. No, oh, I can't do it. Oh, He's looking around at the water. And I'm trying to speak to him, but he doesn't see me. He just sees everything else. He sees everything that could go wrong. And Daniel's little head is thinking to himself, I'm going to jump off this diving board and I'm going say what But I can remember when I finally caught Daniel's eyes. He's looking at the His way. This is my second film. I've talked a lot about God being fully in charge. Well, what about man's responsibility to live in line with God's rules? You know, there's a way things work in the universe. Einstein said, God does not play dice with the universe. It's not random. It's not arbitrary. We understand a lot of the natural laws of the universe, such as the law of gravity. It's keeping me right here, right now. Now, I can say to you, I don't believe Well, you might say, okay, Carlos, sounds good. Let's go to the top of the gym, and I want you to take a flying leap of faith and see what happens with gravity. Well, we all know what will happen, don't we? Here's another law of nature. It's called the law of the speeding bus. with the law of the speeding bus? It's simply this. If you get in front of a speeding bus, you are going to regret it. Simple law. We learned that very quickly. The universe are natural laws that are not too but in the same way, there are moral laws, the way things work in the universe, moral laws that explain to us how are we supposed to treat one another, how are we supposed to treat ourselves, our bodies, our work, our future, our spouse, our God, relationships, all those sort of things, we can find the moral laws, but we don't have to discover them and the reasons they've been revealed to us. If we want to know the law of, God, law of God, we just need to look right here. The scriptures have been showing us the boundary lines of the fabric of the universe are contained in this book right here. So let's do a case study. One of these proverbs that I talked about here. Uh, the plan of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to profit. Okay, this is a principle that many of us have seen played out in life. If you're diligent, If you're smart, if you take the time to learn and work at it, if you seek counsel, if you don't rush ahead, if you're patient, if you many of you people who are business folks are nodding their heads at me, if you do these things, invariably you will discover that eventually you will lead to profit. You may not be a billionaire, doesn't say you'll be a billionaire, but ultimately it will lead to profit in your life. As surely as haste leads to poverty, if you're hasty with your decision if you give no thought to your ways, if you don't seek counsel, if you're making decisions off the hip constantly, you may get lucky once, you may get lucky twice, but sooner or later, it's going to come around. But God's word is a complex tapestry. The plans of the diligent lead to profit. But there are other scriptures that says, uh, you know, don't exploit your workers. So if you diligently exploit your workers, is that going to lead to profit? No, it isn't. It isn't as simple as that, is it? There's a whole framework in which we're supposed to understand. See, there's a tremendous amount of understanding that God has given us in this word. Life is not arbitrary. And so sometimes when we're making decisions, it's not even a question whether we need to ask, is this God's will or not? Because he's already told us what it is. You get the phone call, you're dating someone, boyfriend, girlfriend, hey, where's this going? I don't exactly know, but, you know... Try this thing on. You know, you never, you never buy a car without trying it on. You never, you know, buy a pair of shoes without trying it on. We need to come together. You know, we could save rents. We could live together. We could see if this thing works, and we could go from there. But well, we don't have to stop and go. Well, I need to think about this. Is this God's will for me or not? Because we already know God's will. He's given us various. How about this one? Well, tax time is coming up, and you know, I mean, the government will never really know if I don't there and let's be honest you know the kids um, you know they need new stuff and I could give more to the church if I went ahead and didn't give it there. tell us everything. See, the scriptures provide guardrails. They provide boundaries that we can understand how to navigate this life that we live. I heard an interesting uh, scientific study that was done. It took a bunch of kids, and they created a playground, a bunch of playground equipment right here, and it was in somewhat a busy section. So they have the playground equipment, kind of a big field around it, and then busyness going on. What they discovered was the kids would play, but they would play near the playground. Play on the playground but they never ventured very far from the playground. playground. But then they did something different. They took a fence, and they placed the fence around the boundaries, around the perimeter of the entire playground. Instantly they discovered a difference. The little kids started playing everywhere. Go all the way to they wouldn't cross the boundary. They just knew this was the limit. This is where I can go. I can play with freedom anywhere in here. And as a result, they got to explore more of the fun that they had with that. What was the difference? It was the sense of safety. It was the sense of understanding the barriers and the places. See, that's what God's scripture is for us. It's a boundary. Not so we can figure out, gosh, I wonder how close I can get to this before I cross over Rather, it's a boundary that helps us to understand how to live. Psalm 119:105, 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So the scripture is a path to walk which gives us freedom. And Psalm one, nineteen, eleven says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. God's boundaries are there in place to keep us from harm. See, here's the reality. We will choose boundaries of the world however will take us right out into the highway as a pastor I get to meet with people all the time and sometimes the stories I hear are, are, are awful stories because they haven't trusted the boundaries of God's word and have walked out into the street and they've got hit by the law of the speed bus and they're wondering what happened is God greater than that absolutely do we have a responsibility yes and so my application for us here is that we must learn to see the boundaries of God. We must learn the boundaries given to God's word. How do we do that? We do it by learning it, by reading it. How often? Every day. Every day, even if it's just a verse, getting into that habit of learning the boundaries of God to help us understand the pleasant places in which we want. Joshua 1.8 says this way, do not neglect this book of the law meditate on it day and night so that you can be careful do everything you need, and then you will successful. They asked John McEnroe, how do I get a volley like yours, John McEnroe? said, it's simple. Just do it a 100,000 times. It's simple. We have to study the Word. And we make use of the means available for us to study His Word, whether it's the sermon that I'm giving right now, private Bible study during the week foundations of the faith class that we're working on, soon we're going to be teeing up community groups. We want church to happen seven days a week, good opportunity to come together with some other people and to hear God's word. We must meditate on it, and finally we must apply it. We must, as we walk through it, we're making decisions, we must look to God's word. What does God's word say about this? Well, I don't know what God's word says. about it. look, look, call someone. I really appreciate Michelle Sheen. I'm remembering this conversation. Michelle was dealing with an issue regarding a financial issue. She picked up the phone and called me. What does God's word say about that? This is my second point in our application here. Seek counsel. We have a habit in the United States of America to think it's basically me and my Bible. And nothing else, I don't need anything else to discern God's will. We tend to Black marks on my academic alma mater, the University of Virginia, is Thomas Jefferson, who was a brilliant man, but he had some quirky ideas about scripture. See, old T. J. He liked certain portions of the scripture, but he didn't like other ones. So what did he do? He took his scissors, chop, 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 and he cut out the ones that he didn't like. Brilliant idea, right? For all of. God's some counsel. Some other people who can challenge us will help us see God's word clear. Let me give you some real practical tips for seeking counsel. You ready? Number one, when going for counsel, choose someone who has nothing to lose by telling the truth. I love that commercial with Abraham Lincoln and Geico. Choose someone who has nothing to lose by telling you the truth. Number two, choose someone who is where you want to Down the road. 10, 15 years down the road, who already has a demonstrated track record of succeeding in this particular area that you're struggling with. Number three, if possible, ask more than one person so that you can get a broader perspective. And number four, if if possible, ask one person you know, and one you don't. And here are three good questions to ask them. Number one, after you lay out the option, the issues, are any options the boundaries of God's Question number two, what do you think is the wise thing? And then finally, question number three, if you were me, you were me. God has shown us his heart so we can trust his heart and get boldly. But God has shown us his ways And so let's look at them and let's live responsibly. And this brings me to my final point, which is to trust God's method. And what is God's method? showing us as well. Many of us wish it was like my favorite TV show of old, Touched by an Angel. Remember Touched by an Angel? I got a problem. Oh, geez, I can't figure this out. I'm not sure. It's there comes, what was her name, Downey? Oh, Downey Jr., whatever, you know, in the full angel garb. Here I am. She'd give the, you know, instruction, blah, blah, blah. You get the instruction. You punch it in the equation. Your life changes. All in an hour with commercials. Done deal. Unfortunately, that's not the way God, that's not God's method of giving guidance. Because guidance is something God does rather than something God gives. What do I mean by that? Well, let's look at Proverbs 163 to illustrate Sixteen three says, commit to the Lord whatever you do. That word commit in means to roll over to the Lord, whatever you do, you Now, at our first thought, I think to myself, this, this is wrong. This is the wrong order. It should say, commit your plans to the Lord, and whatever you do will succeed. C- commit your plans, but it's not that's not what it says. It says commit whatever you do, even before you've made a plan, even before you gone out and sought counsel or done anything. You basically rolled your life on to God. God, I don't know what my plans are gonna be in the future. I don't know the question. But whatever it is going to start seeing signs like a sign up in the sky because God's will is something he does, his guidance, rather than something that he does. Sometimes I'm sitting with folks who come to visit with me and they're struggling with the decision. I've got this decision, I could do this or this or three, A, B, or C. I'm not exactly sure. I'm not exactly sure. What looked into God's word, you sought counseling, you don't know the answer, make a decision. See, we want to hear from God. We want to get that definable word from God. This is exactly what I'm supposed to do. But I'll tell you the truth, I've followed the Lord for 22 years. And there are times when I feel like I've heard what God wants me to do. I've never heard an audible voice, but I've heard what God wants me to do, and I've gone ahead and done it, and things have worked out great. And there's other times where I felt like I'm is exactly what I'm supposed to do. And you know what I concluded it was at the end of the day? Bad pizza. Bad pizza. Indigestion will do strange things to a person. The truth of the matter is sometimes we just don't know. If we're operating within the parameters of God's will, we trust his method and we make a decision. Here's a great verse. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to us, belong to us and our children, that we may follow all the Lord. When I made a decision to leave the company I was running and to go to seminary, some people thought I was crazy. I thought I was crazy. But I thought that's what God was calling me to do, and so I sought his word. I didn't feel like I was outside his word. I sought counsel. felt like I committed my way to the Lord. I remember having a conversation with someone in are you sure this is what God's calling you to do? you know what my answer was? No. No. I don't know that God's calling you to do that. I think he is. It seems like he's leading me in that direction, but I don't exactly know. But you know, the one thing I do know is that God's heart is for And that as I commit my way to the Lord, as I roll. As I look back on my life, as a 20-year-old, I can discover that two-thirds of the things that I really wanted as a 20-year-old were totally wrong. And the question is, now as a 40-year-old, what's the percentage now? I don't know. Hopefully it's less as I get spouse decision, bad education bad financial decision. And so our life is ruined because God can't work in spite of those things. Listen, friends, you cannot trump God. You cannot trump God's will. If God is for you. God is steering you to his purpose, even through the hard And so we can live. Some of us just don't know how to make a decision. We're paralyzed, and we're waiting for that word from God. We're waiting from that sign.